Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Today on the show, I chat with Todd White, who is the founder of Dry Farm Wines. If you're anything like me, I'm sure you've seen Dry Farm Wines exploding all over social media and for good reasons. They are sugar-free, lower in alcohol, additive-free, honestly, all of the things. The wine industry is kind of like the food industry in that there is so much going on behind the scenes, and I just got so much clarity in today's episode on what I need to be looking for when I'm looking for a wine. And spoiler alert, I'm pretty much only going to be drinking Dry Farm wines from now on after today's episode, and I hope you will join me. After this episode, I want you to go to the show notes and be sure to use my link to get a discount on dry farm wines because I know like me, you are going to want to try them too. So without further ado, here is Todd White. Welcome everybody to another episode of the All of You Whole podcast. Today we have with us Todd White. Todd, we are so excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about the dirty, dark secrets of the wine business. (laughs) I know, right? It gets dark and dirty. Perfect. Well, so everyone knows we're going to cover two different huge topics in this podcast. First, we're going to hear the origin story of how Todd grew Dry Farm Wines to what it is today. And I also really just want to hear about natural wines and the wines that you guys sell at Dry Farm Wines. So first, though, let's back up, Todd. I would love for you to just introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, so I'm a biohacker. I've been biohacking for, gosh, long before biohacking was called biohacking. Right. So people are like, what is biohacking? Well, how I define it is biohacking, and the most common biohack is, is a diet. Right. Right? But how I characterize and define biohacking is how we use our behavior to positively influence our biological or neurological outcome. And as I said, dieting is probably the most common biohack. People don't think of it that way because people like to make biohacking very fancy, like brain waves and heart rate variables. Procedures and like... Yeah, That's it's like, like I'm going to chip in my head. Right. And, <laughs> no, but I mean, biohacking begins just really at how we employ our behavior to have a positive impact on our neurological or biological state. So that's really kind of biohacking. I've been biohacking and seriously involved in sort of performance and advancement of my adult life for a long, long time, uh, 30 <laughs> or 40, about like 40 years. Right. Your whole life, and, right? <laughs> well, no, I'm not 40, but I'm, I'm 61 next week. Right. So, wow. Yeah. You must be biohacking. You don't look 61. <laughs> thank you. Uh, started, started really biohacking in my 20s, but they got real serious about it in my 40s. 
and even more serious about it in my 50s. So kind of where that was my story was just a lifetime of trying to enhance my performance. And as I got older, then thinking about anti-aging and longevity and extending right. my health span, and that really became a function of a real serious dedication to two things, how I was eating, so I became ketogenic, right. and then fasting. And yep. so I think for me, fasting and having a slow-carb diet and calorie restriction, which is a result of fasting has done a lot to sort of reverse my biological aging and yeah. hopefully my neurological aging as well. Sure. Many people think I look younger today than I did 20 years ago. Right? Sign me and up. So, <laughs> I'm only yeah, 30, so, so that might not be possible. Nice. But... <laughs> uh, so you can never start too early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so I started experimenting with a therapeutic ketogenic diet. And today I'm not on a therapeutic ketogenic diet because therapeutic ketogenic is very high in fat. Right, yeah. And, and of course, minimal protein, minimal carbohydrate, and really 70 to 80% fat. So it's, for me, it's not really sustainable over a long period of time because it's quite boring. Right? Sure, I mean, that's a lot of coconut oil. Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> so it's, it's quite boring. So I, right. I'm now on what I would call a modified ketogenic diet, which looks more like Atkins. So sure. fat intake's probably 40 or 50%, and then mm. protein and carbohydrates, and I don't eat sugar or grains right. or flour or anything like that. Yeah, So and that keeps you in ketosis. Well, when you, it does, it does. Huh. So, but even, I only eat once a day. Yeah. So I eat about six or seven o'clock at night. Sure. Like I, you know, it's four, three o'clock here. I mm -hmm. haven't eaten anything since last night and I right. won't eat again until seven o'clock tonight. Yeah. And so just by virtue of eating one time per day, if you have a reasonably modified low carb diet, you will stay in ketosis. Oh, true. Right? Yeah. Just, just, just from starvation. <laughs> Yeah, right. Although from... I'm not starving, but, <laughs> right, but that's course. the mechanism that creates ketone bodies when we don't eat so it's sure. the response to starvation. Although I'm not starving, I'm not even hungry. Right. Yeah. And I've been eating once a day for five years. But how I'll drive from wines got started was when I went seven, six or seven years ago when I became therapeutically ketogenic, mm -hmm. I had had a lifetime relationship with both alcohol and wine, although I stopped drinking spirits when I was about 40 mm -hmm. and had been drinking wine pretty much exclusively since then. But there could have been a number of cofactors, but when I became therapeutically ketogenic, when I started experimenting with this diet, this is long before keto became keto. Right. right? I know. Now it's it didn't super even mainstream, exist. but right. nobody even knew what it was then. Uh -huh. The only reason I knew what it was is because I was in the biohacking community and had started to follow the work of a few keto scientists. One in particular, who's quite famous, his name's Dr. Domino D'Agostino. And he's a professor at University of Florida. He was working for the Department of Defense and experimenting with a ketogenic diet and deep dive Navy SEALs. Yeah, and, wow. And performance enhancement. So sure. I started kind of reading about that. And then his adjunct started working on picking up Wahlberg's theory of glucose and cancer. And so they started studying the effects of ketogenic diet on cancer and also on chemotherapy. And so I became quite interested in it. Sure. Started experimenting with it and found that it changed my relationship with wine. And I thought it was the alcohol because sometimes the side effect of 
being on a strict ketogenic diet is that people develop a lower tolerance to alcohol. Hmm, yeah. So not everyone, but so in short, I started looking for lower alcohol wines because I didn't want to stop drinking, but right. I realized that I thought it was really kind of higher alcohol because alcohol levels in wines have been increasing over the last 30 years. Yes. The wine industry loves alcohol for three reasons. It's addictive. Sure. It's also a domino drug, mm-hmm. right? And so what I mean by domino drug is that the more you drink, the higher concentrations of alcohol you drink, the more likely you are to drink more. Right, of course. And so this sells more product, of course. Mm-hmm. And so they like selling product. The one thing I'll tell you about alcohol that surprises people to hear me say because they think I'm here selling wine, which is not what I'm doing. What I'm doing here is trying to educate people that if you are going to drink, how to think about that. Sure, yeah. Right? And so it surprises people to hear me say the following. Alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin. And some people shouldn't drink at all. Hmm, it right. ruins millions of lives every year. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if we're going to drink, and that's a choice I make, I like drinking, then I want to choose what's going to make me feel the best with the lowest risk. Sure, yeah. Right? And so that's what I've spent my recent career educating people through podcasts and mainstream media and writing and speaking about if you're going to drink, I think you should drink natural wine. Right. And here's the, the healthiest reason. option you can. Yeah, I mean, it's the... kind of like, like I want chocolate chip cookies, right? Like I want to continue to eat chocolate chip cookies. I'm not going to go get a stick of Toll House and make it for my kids. So I make my paleo grain free, you know, all the sure. things that sure. are better for you. So it's just, it's kind of like how we think about food is how we think about wines. Yeah, well, it's better for you. So how did, so go back to how did you decide? So you're exploring in ketosis, starting this for yourself. Well, At what point were you like, okay, my next step in life is to create dry farm wine? Well, I didn't start it as a, it didn't start off as a business idea. Mm. It started off, I was trying to find a healthier way to drink. Sure. And so when I started looking for lower alcohol wines, I stumbled accidentally. Again, no one knew about it at the time. Now I've made it quite famous. But mm-hmm. I stumbled quite accidentally across an American who was living in Paris. His name is Josh Adler. And he was importing into the United States, into San Francisco in particular, into the Bay Area where he used to live, some lower alcohol natural wines. I didn't know what a natural wine was. I just knew that these wines were lower in alcohol. I discovered them by accident Mm -hmm. at this organic market that's quite famous in San Francisco. And I discovered these wines and they were delicious. Sure. Yeah, they're good. They tasted great. (laughs) Right. And I was like, wow, they taste like unlike any other wine. They're better than any other wine I drank Mm -hmm. before. They were lower in alcohol. And so I called him and I sent him an email in Paris and I was like, wow, I've like, I've never heard of natural wines up until this point. Sure. And natural wine is a very confusing term to people because they're like, right. are, are wines natural? And they're not mm-hmm. for the reasons we're going to discuss. Right. But anyway, so Josh and I ended up on the phone and I was like, wow, I really love these wines. And he's like, well, they're natural wines. And I was like, well, what's a natural wine? Sure. And he explained to me what natural wines were, which I'm going to explain to you and your audience. Right. And 
I was like, oh, wow. Well, I had no idea. Yeah. Even though I was living in the heart of the Napa Valley, I have a home in, in the middle of the Napa Valley. Yeah. And I knew nothing about what was going on. And no one in the wine business talks about it. It's what I call no. the dirty, dark secret of the wine industry. Yeah. Like no one, even people in the industry don't talk about it. Even people right. working in tasting rooms don't know anything about it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow. So I started doing some online research about these things that I was learning. And everything I'm going to tell you about the wine industry, its secrets and additives are all available through a simple Google search. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, what I'm telling you here is not something I made up or is my sure. opinion. But it's like anything else that it's like, I feel like I have this hard job of being like, hey, guys, there's this other thing that has toxins. Like, it's right. not just your food. It's not just your household supplies. It's not just your makeup. Guess what? Today, it's your wine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like everything. But, and I'll yeah, tell you it's why crazy. it's everything, because it's everything because public money from Wall Street right. has made the acquisition and consolidation of industries very easy and very yes. profitable, right? Yeah. So, and that's what happened in the food industry. It's what happened in the wine business. And, and so these massive corporate conglomerates in the wine business, the top three wine companies make over 50% of U.S. wines. Yeah, it's nuts. And the top... 30 wine companies in the United States make over 70% of U.S. wines. Now, here's why that's a problem. Because they're not trying to make wine better or healthier. They're trying to make it cheaper and faster. Right. As right? with anything. Yeah. Right. But that's the same thing that's happened across all these industries. Yeah. Right. And then the mom and pop players, the small startups, the people like us, you know, where their natural wine can't no. compete with the pricing in alcohol, really, it's more than pricing, it's distribution. Sure. So the distribution networks, the way alcohol regulation is crafted was in the early 1940s, post-prohibition, hmm. when organized crime was very involved in the alcohol industry. So they put in right. all of these mechanisms called the three-tier system and what are called tight house rules in the alcohol regulation. It's been in place since the 1940s, no longer necessary, mm. right? Just like a lot of labor regulations are written in the 1940s, no longer right. necessary, mm -hmm. right? Because we live in a much more competitive environment. These alcohol regulations are not necessary, but the entrenched players, these big conglomerates, want them left in place, sure. right? Because it benefits people with big pockets and deep entrenched interest. So all this comes back to greed and money. Mm -hmm. And so... When you go into the grocery store, into a wine store, most people see it in the grocery store. Most people are not going into wine shops. <laughs> yeah. But those long rows of shelves with wine on it, with hundreds or thousands of bottles or brands, most of those wines are made by just a handful of companies. Right. And it's made to look like, look at this fancy label. This right. is this boutique winery. And it's like, no. no. Yeah. So it's not. most of these wines are made in massive factories in Central California. Mm -hmm. These factories are football fields big. I mean, they're huge, huge, wow. as far as you can see. Sure. Right. And so that's how this wine is made. Now, this wine, what they don't want you to know, and by the way, there's also not a contents label on any bottle of wine. I know. It's the so, Wild West. <laughs> yeah. So, so. 
the reason there's not a contents label on there is because they don't want you to know what's really in it. Well, what do you mean what's really in it? Isn't grape juice that's been fermented? Well, no, no not exactly. Right. In order to make this wine in large quantities and in order to make it have certain taste profiles, in these factories, they use a lot of additives and chemicals. Right. Colorings, like, sulfites. Well, yeah. Uh, a million. It goes way beyond that. <laughs> right. The most, yeah. The most toxic one is called dimethyl dicarbonate. Mm. And it is a chemical, it's a very toxic chemical used to treat the single most common bacterial fault in wine known as Brettanomyces. Mm. So in total, there are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. If you want to see those, you can just go FDA approved wine additives online and the list will come right up for you. Right. Some of them are, are natural. Right. Some of them are also animal products. So if you're vegan, yeah. then you care about not having animal products used in your winemaking. And so while the animal products are quite benign to some people, they're very important. Sure. There are two animal products that are used in winemaking, commonly used. One is egg whites and the other are fish bladders. And yeah. they're both used for a process called fining. Fining is the process of bringing greater clarity to wine. Sure. Or what's known as the lapidity of wine. Sure. That's its clarity. Well, and do they do that because they think that we want it to be clear? No, 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 no. There's no question they think they know. Americans believe want. two things. Yeah. The clearer... The clearer a wine is and the darker it is, the better it is. Well, so there's weird. no truth to either of those statements. No. no. Because actually when you add lipidity, when you fine a wine and you make it more clear, you actually remove Lose. part of the texture. Right. Yeah. Because right? dry so farm wines don't always have that clarity. They're not always super that, clear like right. that. But they're because delicious. They haven't been <laughs> they haven't been sterilized, right. filtered and fined because that's not natural. No. Right? And that's not what real wine tastes like 100 years ago or right. 200 years ago or 500 years ago. Right. None of these processes were used. Right? Sure. They made just real honest fermented wine. But I think so, if you polled the American population and you said, hey, guys, do you want us to use fish bladders to make your wine clear or do you want some hazy wine? I guarantee you, everyone would say hazy wine. Well, the, <laughs> you know, the, the issue is that the hazy wine actually tastes better, right? Because it's alive and it has texture. It's the same thing. It's kind of like a similar analogy, although not exactly the same. But if you have drip coffee, right, right. as opposed to a French press, sure, French press has texture, right? Mm. Because you're getting because there's part of the bean there where a drip filters most of that out. Right. And so that yeah. texture gives the coffee a different a different flavor profile, a different feel. Yep. Right. And so now it can be too textured as well. So, yeah. you know, it's, so it's so, so it's finding that right place of that happy medium. And that is the winemaker's talent. Right. right? Of course. Yeah. And so how it's done in a natural wine is you pump the wine over from barrel to barrel or tank to tank. Mm. And the sediment that's inside the wine that's left will settle in the bottom of the tank. And then when mm. you pump it off, you get rid of the sediment. So it's not excessively cloudy. Right, right. Of course. Yeah. But it's just a natural process of allowing the sediment to settle 
and then pulling the finished wine off of it. Sure, but As that takes time. To using, <laughs> it does take more time. It's less exactly. profitable. It's more mm-hmm. labor intensive. Exactly. It's higher risk too. So every time you're exposing that wine outside the mm-hmm. tank to oxygen, you're exposing it to potential bacterial risk. Of course, yep. Which are present in the cellar. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all of this is about making wine faster, easier, less risky, and you can't make wine in great volume like this because it's too much work. Right. So same thing for farming. So let's talk about what makes a natural wine. So natural wine has basically three components. Okay. Number one, it's always organically or biodynamically farmed. Sure. And can you describe, I feel like the terms that we hear with natural wine are, you know, natural wine, organic, biodynamic, but I feel like honestly, I wonder if you agree, Todd, it's like, you know, back in the seventies, I live in Denver. There were people here in Boulder, like into the natural food movement and they're starting to figure out organic. They're starting to figure out all of these things, but the rest of the world's completely unaware. And just like with labeling, there weren't organic labels. I mean, there's studies that show a lot of people in America right now think that natural is actually better than organic. Like they don't, a lot of people don't know the difference and wine is wine labeled. So the ingredients aren't there. There's not a nutrition label, but talk to us about like the labeling of of natural, of organic, of biodynamic. I want to know more about that. Well, of the three, this is where it gets quite confusing and complicated. Yeah. So let's take all individually. First of all, natural wines, they're, is no official sanctioned designation certification right. for natural wine. So no. there's no like governing body no, that there says is not. you not. get to have it, you don't. Okay. No, there's not. Now, Dry Farm Wines, my company, has a certification. Right. And third-party testing. And... Yeah, that's over and above just natural. Right. We have a certification that's recognized around the world. Right. Natural wine has no official certification other than in 2000. 23, France will be the first country to designate a natural certification. Hmm. This is a step in the right direction. Yeah. However, that being said, everybody in the wine business knows what natural wine means. Sure. Right? So there's a universal understanding of it. So natural wine, no certification. Dry Farm Wines has a certification that's over and above natural. We'll talk about what that means in a moment. Mm -hmm. Organic. Organic wine has a certification. Now, just because a wine is organic doesn't mean it's natural. And I'll tell you why. Isn't that interesting? Okay, wait. So back up. So when you said natural wines, does that mean that even though there's not a certification and there's not specific rules, generally, if you're buying a natural wine, does that mean there's no additives? Let me answer the first question first. Like what each one of these components mean? Yeah. And then I'll tell you exactly what it means to be a natural wine. Oh, okay, okay, cool. And then what it means to be a dry farm wine certified <laughs> wine, yeah, which okay, is perfect. over and above natural. Above and beyond, yeah. But so organic, you, this is kind of confusing because people go into the market and they see organic wine. But just because wine's organic doesn't mean it's natural. Yeah, that's But all nuts. natural wines are always organic. Mm, okay. Or biodynamic. Right. So biodynamic farming is a prescriptive advanced form of organic farming costs mm-hmm. more. It's more labor intensive. It has right. more steps. It's from the 1920s by an Austrian scientist and earth advocate created biodynamic farming. His name's Rudolf Steiner. You can <laughs> easily 
do a Wikipedia on biodynamic farming, learn more about it. But it's basically the way I like to term it is, a, is an advanced prescriptive form of organic farming. Okay. Then here's what makes a wine natural. And when I say natural, there's natural wine and then there's all other wines. Right. right. So all other wines that are not natural are just conventional. Sure. Yeah. Natural wine makes up less than one-tenth of 1% of the wine's world supply. Super small. We're the largest buyer and seller of natural wines in the world. Yeah. Wow. So a natural wine first in farming, there are three components that make a wine natural and not conventional. Right. So one is farming. Right. So as I mentioned, natural wines are always organic or biodynamically farmed. Number two. Natural wines are always fermented with indigenous wild native yeast. I Whoa, love this. what does that mean? Yeah. All right, let me explain that. So conventional wines are, are not fermented with these wild native yeast. Right. They're fermented with GMO lab-cultured yeast. Now, right. why? These wild native yeast which collect on the skin of every grape berry in the world at harvest, no matter whether it's used for fermentation or not, every grape berry has wild yeast on the skin. It's a white waxy film that collects in the air natively in the vineyard, and the sure. yeast attaches itself to the fruit. When you make natural wine, all you do is press the juice from the berry. The yeast is present. And so you have a spontaneous fermentation. It just starts wow. fermenting. Yeah. Right? Now, not so with conventional wines. With conventional wines, they introduce sulfur dioxide, which is a legal additive. They introduce sulfur dioxide first to kill the native yeast because they don't want the two yeasts competing. And then they inoculate it with this modified lab-grown yeast. Now, why did they do that? Money. Well, it's, yeah, it's about money, <laughs> let me, really. Let me but guess. <laughs> it all comes down to money. But but, but the, the indigenous, this wild yeast is temperamental. Sure. It's difficult to work with. Yeah. It's fragile. You can't make wine in very high quantities. And it has a whole lot of other problems with it, like it, it will get killed at higher alcohol levels. It's just very unstable. Right. So you can't make it in large quantities. So conventional wines are made in large quantities. And so they kill the native yeast and inoculate it with this lab-grown yeast and off to the races. The one of the final reason that they use lab-grown yeast is that you can buy them in flavor profiles. Now, let's just say you have an industrially grown terrible grape and grown in Central California or or Texas or wherever. You want it to taste like you want it to taste like it's from Italy. They have a yeast for that. Stop. Yeah. So no. here's the thing. Well, you'll know this is true about yeast because of the sourdough right. baking craze. Yes. Of COVID. Right. So everybody wanted to get everybody else's mother yeast because it was better, <laughs> had deeper, more complex yes. flavors. So the yeast matters in the flavor profile. Right. Oh, well, my nana. Wine, my right. nana has a yeast for her sourdough that's named Carl, and it's like literally from 1600. Right. <laughs> and so, this guy like propagates. It's a whole thing. So yeast is a big it's a deal. Thing. So yeast, the yeast imparts a flavor profile. Mm -hmm. All yeast do. Mm -hmm. And so I want to drink this natural way from this right. wild yeast, this indigenous to that vineyard, that place where that grape is grown. Right. And I want to like 
drink this thing that's like spiritual and magical to the place where it was grown that yes. hasn't been sterilized and killed and intervened with. So that's right. because it tastes better and I feel better. So I, so the third thing is, other than the fermentation, the third thing is that they're additive free. Right. Now, dry farm wines has a certification process that goes beyond just those three cornerstones. Yeah. So for health reasons, we also are lower alcohol. Not all natural wines are lower alcohol. Right. But ones we select are. Then number two, we don't allow irrigation in the growth of a natural wine. Right. Not which all is natural where, which dry, is where farm dry farm wines, wines come from. Right. So dry yeah. farming means irrigation free. Right. But we prohibit irrigation to be used in any farming practices for our wines. Right. And how much water do, do your farms save because they're not irrigating? Uh, it's around a billion gallons a year. Uh, I mean, 90,000 acres nuts. of dry farmed organic. Look, irrigation is bad for the plant. It's bad it's for the terrible. vine. And it also, yeah. it also de- decreases the polyphenols available, the healthy compounds that are found in wines. It also, there are a whole bunch of problems with it. It also... It produces a fruit of less character. Right. It might not surprise you when you fill a grapeberry up with water, it's diluted. Of right? course. Right. The other problem with it is because it's diluted by this water, you have to pick it at higher sugar levels. Right. Meaning that in order to get proper phenolic flavoring in the grape juice, you have to have more sugar because you've got more mm-hmm. water. Yeah. Well, what happens when you have more sugar is that corresponds to higher alcohol levels during fermentation. Sure. And so... Now, for reasons we've already discussed, the wine industry loves higher alcohol levels. I don't because alcohol is neurologically toxic. And while I enjoy drinking it, I want to drink lower alcohol wines. Sure. Because it is healthier. Yeah. Right? Nobody disputes that drinking less alcohol is healthier. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so whether you are pro-wine or no wine, no matter what your position is, nobody in the science community or medical community will make dispute with the fact that drinking less is better. Sure. Right? And right. drinking more is worse. Yeah. Right. And so, sure. but I like wine. And yeah. so I want to drink wines that are better for me. Sure. Right. I'm not going to stop drinking, at least not now. Yeah. And then also when you water it less, don't the roots go like so, so Well, deep? yeah, yeah. So you, that's a whole nother thing. So yeah. when, when you so have like an it's... irrigated grapevine, and the thing is, once you irrigate a grapevine, you can't take it off irrigation. Oh, wow. What? It's like gotten you used to it. You can't convert to dry farming. Oh, you I didn't realize that. You have to start dry farming from the very time you plant oh, the wow. ground. Oh, you okay. Can't, you can't take a vine off of irrigation for the reason hmm. that you just mentioned. Wow, yeah. Because the, the root structure for an irrigated grapevine is three or four feet in diameter and three or four feet deep. Reason being is it gets all of its water and its yeah. nutrient from liquid nitrogen in a little tube just above the trunk. Right. So it's a very lazy plant, right? <laughs> and stress is what creates higher quality fruit, healthier fruit, and higher polyphenols. And stressors that plants develop from being under stress make that fruit healthier. Sure. So uh, hormesis is not just in grapevines, it's all right. plants. Mm hmm. Right? And so that's how plants defend themselves. But that stress creates a healthier fruit and right. a fruit of higher quality. Yeah. So in an unirrigated grapevine, you can have root structures 20 or 30 feet deep, these tiny hair-like capillaries that are just 
searching throughout the soil and rocks, breaking apart tiny, tiny, tiny pieces of mineral or soil in desperate search for moisture and nutrient. Right. And right. that has to produce of course a healthier grain. It has tell you that. to. Yeah, of exactly. Course. Of course. Of course. So irrigation is a bad deal. Yeah. And then finally, we require that the wine be sugar-free. Mm-hmm. Not all natural wines are sugar-free. These are our requirements. Dry farming, no irrigation, lower alcohol, and no sugar. Right. Right. These are all things that we believe create a healthier wine. That's amazing. And so with us, with Dry Farm Wines, there is a certification process that certifies all of those things. Right. Organic, natural, native yeast fermentation, sugar-free, lower alcohol, dry farming, uh, and additive-free, which is why our customers trust us. Of course. Right? When they meet us, they can see that we're fanatical. Right. Right. And that we're also ripped out and living. <laughs> Maybe the, not all of us. <laughs> we're, That's we're, amazing. We're, we're walking the walk. Yes. Right. That we talk. I right. drink the same wines that I sell. There's a few behind me on the counter here. I'm doing a big tasting in Miami this weekend. Fun. And so, you know, trying to introduce more people to natural wines and how they taste because they yeah. just taste better. Not they only do. feel better, not even don't have any hangover. Right. Well, you'd have to drink a lot to get a hangover, sure. uh, unlike traditional wines. Right. So when people start drinking them, they don't go back to drinking standard no. wines, particularly just, if they care. I just love a good stance. You know what I mean? Like we had a grocery store when I lived in Athens in college, and it's like, you know, here are the 50, th- or I don't know, 12 things. Every single thing in this grocery store follows these guidelines. And I just love a good stance. You know, like, you know, when you drink a dry farm wine, it's these four things. I think the interesting thing about what you said that I didn't realize is I feel like in the food industry, natural basically doesn't mean anything. That's right. And an organic means a lot of great things. But what you just said was natural is the better term. And it is always in wine. Right, exactly. It's a wildly overused marketing term in food. In food. Well, because in food, it's like... foods that are not organic but want to trick you, they call it natural. exactly. Or they call it sustainable. (laughs) Right. Right? That means we use chemicals when we want to. Right, but even a factory farmed pork chop, they can say this is natural. And what that means And that's completely legal. And what that means is this sustainably was farmed a pig. is also a, a, a mushy term. Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But I mean it basically means nothing because it means this was a pig. It's like, okay, but it was a factory farmed pig, all these things. But so I think that's really a good distinction to know. Natural wines are the way to go because they it are, means- but the problem is there there's no certification for it. Yeah. And the of other course. problem yeah. is that consumers don't know what it is. And then yeah. also it's just confusing all the way around, which is, yeah. you know, why so many people just trust us to send right. them healthy, So dry farm wines is really the way to go. <laughs> well, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you really care, if sure. not, there are a couple other ways to find natural wines. There's a smartphone app called, app, uh, called Raisin mm, that that's you can cute. download to your phone. Sure. And uh, it works better in Europe because the natural wine scene here in the United States is really quite limited to, even in Miami, there's virtually no natural wine here. I mean, virtually yeah. none. And in Miami, it's a big dynamic marketplace. Right. And there's, I don't sell to restaurants or retailers, so it's mm-hmm. not a business that we're in. 
we right. have a lot of customers in Florida, but in the right. Miami area. But since we don't, well, we're prohibited by law from because we sell direct to consumer. Mm. We also can't sell to restaurants from retailers. It's just another stupid part of the law that keeps these ingrained entrants in the three tier system. Okay, business number two, Todd. <laughs> right. So there's a natural wine community in New York, San, yes. San Francisco, Los Angeles, a uh, little in Chicago little bit in Dallas, but these really outside of New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, it's just super, super small. Sure. And if you live anywhere like Denver or Charlotte, North Carolina, or, you know, even Kansas City, you're not going to find any natural no. wine. Which it's is so just, great that you deliver, though. That's that's the beauty of it. That's yeah, so you can get it, it directly to your door, but you can't go to the store and buy it. Right. And, and also natural wines rarely say natural wine on the label. Right. Because, right? I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Um, right. Okay, you just mentioned San Francisco again. So let's go back. You have this conversation. There's no natural wines available. I'm going to do something about it. How did you go from well, I want it, natural wines to I want to do something about well, it? Well, I started lab testing. So I, because I live in Napa, I, I had made some wine. So I knew mm. some, I had made wine in 2005. Just a small hobby thing. Yeah. And But I knew about lab testing and analogy. So I sure. took these wines that I discovered and I started lab testing them and looking for certain purity aspects and sugar-free and lower alcohol because alcohol stated in a wine bottle by law is not required to be accurate. Right. And so another collusion between the wine industry and the government. Sure. So anyway, I started kind of discovering these wines and little by little tasting them. I'm still still not a business. I'm just like loving these wines, sharing them with my other biohacking and performance and athletic friends. Sure. And they're like, oh my gosh, these wines are great. I feel great the next day. Where do you right. get them? I'm like, well, you can't. So <laughs> then I started thinking of it as a business. I was like, well, maybe I can help people drink better wines. Sure. And the next thing that happened was I became the official wine for the Bulletproof Conference, which is Dave Asprey, was yeah, Dave Asprey's company. Yeah. He's not there anymore. But back in that time, he hosted a biohacking conference called the Bulletproof Conference in Pasadena, right. California. Mm -hmm. But so, how much wine? You were still making this wine at this point? No, 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 no. We were, no, we you were, were sourcing we were super, super, super okay. sourcing it from Europe. I, we don't sell any domestic wines and no right. wines made in the United States that meet our standards of purity. Yeah. So all of our wines are international. Yes. They come yep, from yep, South yep. America, South Africa, and most from Europe. Yeah. So you were already Dry Farm Wines at this point, and then you became yes. the sponsor. I just started okay. the business. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, and was selling virtually nothing. Sure. And like just to some friends and like virtually anybody who I could get to buy it, right? Right. I mean, it was like tiny, 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 tiny. Yeah. And I was just me. And like I was buying, tasting, packing, answering the phone. Oh you know, my gosh. Like, yeah. It's like, just, just me like trying right. to make a business out of it. Yeah. And then we became the first alcohol that Bulletproof had ever endorsed. We became the sure. only wine they've ever endorsed. And so we became the official wine of Bulletproof. At the Bulletproof conference, I met Mark Sisson. Yeah. He's like the godfather of paleo. Yes. And then I was a guest on Bulletproof Radio. And yeah. the next day, I was a guest on, on Primal uh, Blueprint, which was Mark yep. Sisson's podcast. Mm -hmm. Mark Sisson was a huge wine fan, but had stopped drinking wine because it made him right. feel so bad. 
I changed his life with that. He invited me to be a guest <laughs> on his podcast. To say so, you changed Mark Sisson's life. That's a big yeah, deal. <laughs> it was great. Mark lives in Miami now, so we oh, see yeah. each other every that's couple fun. of weeks or once a month or so. But And he's still quite active in the keto space and mm-hmm. still publishing Mark's Daily Apple and right. created and now sold a food product company called Primal Kitchen, yes. which makes great We're big fans. avocado-based yep. mayonnaise and salad dressings and whatnot. And he's still sort of tinkering with that craft foods bought it but mm-hmm. so then i started appearing on podcasts and really large podcasts and then doing other really kind of accidental influencer marketing and we were featured in books and people were talking about us and writing yeah. about us and you know everybody from oprah to martha stewart to bloomberg and forbes and yeah. Inc. and the washington post and the la times and new york times and Fox News. To, and this I mean, was call. without a PR agency. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that that doesn't normally happen. <laughs> yeah. So we, so we, you know, in a course of a few years, had over a thousand kind of features in like yeah. and thousands and thousands of doctors who were re- recommending our product and New York Times bestselling authors who were writing about us in books. And, right. So then you did know, you just so explode? It did. It was kind of a crazy ride. Yeah. You know, so we we went like from just nothing to sort of like this kind Huge. of thing. Yeah. This kind of thing. And so, so wow. Yeah, so and it's still growing and you know, people are still discovering it and I'm still doing yes. podcasts and still doing yeah. press. Uh, the only thing I'm not doing as much of anymore because of COVID is public speaking. Sure. But you know, we're the official wine for all the health conferences. I mean right. all like Paleo FX or Bulletproof yes. or all the things or Metabolic Health Summit, which is like you know, so important, mm, uh, which yeah. is Dominic D'Agostino's ketogenic conference, sure. now the most important keto conference in the world with the official wine for that. So any kind of forward looking health conference in, mm. in 2019, before COVID, we did 141 global events where we were featured wine all over the wow. world. Wow. That's then fun. We have done maybe five <laughs> events since 2020, but, yeah, so uh, but events are returning. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're just now starting to really get booked back up again from events all over the world. So we have one coming up in Mexico, one coming up in London, one coming up in Croatia. That's so uh, fun. A couple coming up in LA. So we're MHS, the Melodonic Health Summit is coming up in, in, uh, in May in Santa Barbara. So Ooh. this is things are starting to return and and yes. this is good and looks like that maybe COVID is going to put its happy self to sleep for a while. Let's hope, right? And, uh, well, how do you yeah. see Dry Farm Wines continuing to grow? Other than like, is there any other thing that you like have on the horizon other than just more customers, you more know, exposure? You know, we've diversified into other other product offerings: lower alcohol, botanical wines, olive oils that are sourced mm. from the same rare you know, natural farms that are dry yeah. farms that we're also doing lab testing on. We're customizing more and doing more interesting programming and offerings. Like if you just want to drink Pinot Noir, then, you know, mm. we've been expanding these custom programs. And so it's just more about not necessarily making our community that much larger because there's a finite supply of natural wine. It's really more about getting closer to our community and, mm offering them more choices about the things that they really love. Mm. And so, and, and also bringing other natural products to market that also sure. appeal to our customers. Like it was a natural fit for us due to olive oil because of course. The, the farms that many of the natural farms that we 
because of their pursuit of biodiversity, you know, they they have other products. Olive oil is a sure. great example. So it was a super easy natural extension because our customers also care about very high quality olive oil. Yeah. Right. Definitely. And so because our customers are large, most of them or many of them, okay, I don't know, but many of them are interested in slow carb, low carb, ketogenic diet, paleo. Right. Mm-hmm. And inside of those, they're also interested in not eating trans fat, trans right. fatty acids. And so an olive oil, you know, was thought to be by many people, including me, probably the healthiest source of fat on the planet. Right. Right. And so it's just an amazing fat. Yeah. So, you know, so that was just a natural fit for us. Of course. And then, Maybe limoncello is next. <laughs> well, the problem with limoncello is that it contains sugar. I know. Right? But so the lemons, I know. But, but contains a lot of sugar. It does. <laughs> but the lemon trees. I can't even drink it. It's so sweet. Oh, I can't. It's so funny. I traveled a bunch as a kid and that was, and my parents would let me try like, you know, sips of things. And I was like, oh. It's cough syrup. Yeah, it's just it's, so sweet. I drank, so I tasted, I tasted oh, some. Man. I was with some friends <laughs> who were drinking and partying in Positano on the Mafia yep. Coast last mm-hmm. August. And one of them was uh, quite a bit younger in, in his 20s. And he's like, I want some limoncello. And I was oh. like, so we went in and bought some limoncello. <laughs> I ended up tasting it. I could barely drink it. You know, it's just it's so enough sweet. enough to knock you out of ketosis. Oh, my God. It was just like, well... <laughs> You know, I have to tell you, when you're traveling in Italy, oh, it's, yeah. it's you're quite out of easy to get out of ketosis. <laughs> yeah, because, you just breathe the air. Yeah, <laughs> you just have to. You just have to be, you know, with the Italians. And uh, oh, that's so I funny. I assure you, there is a lot of flour in in Italy. Oh, there is. There is. Okay, let me ask you the two final questions that I ask all of my guests. So, first, at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? Really, really easy answer. Because I give a lot of thought to this. Yeah. I've given a lot of thought to it over the years, particularly as you age, you start to think about it will be defined by one simple one simple thing, which is did it matter to the people that I touched um, mm. that I existed? Right. Yeah. So will it matter to the people who I've served? Will it matter to the people who I've influenced? Will it matter to the people who I've mentored, who I've guided, who have trusted me? Will their life have been materially impacted by my existence? Mm. Right. And I I think that's the measure of, of a successful life for me is that I made a difference in the lives of people that I touched. I love that. Awesome. And the second question is, what is something in your life you feel like you have been really intentional about recently? And what's something looking forward you would like to be more intentional with? Uh, The two things that I, there are three things that I'm super intentional about, which is uh, fasting, Mm -hmm. meditation, and uh, and a low-carb, sugar-free diet. Those are the three things I am super intentional about, have been intentional about. Something I would like to be more intentional about, uh, getting higher quality sleep. So I have a tendency, this has happened, this, it's funny you ask, and this is like, this is like one of those deep admissions. So I moved (laughs) to Miami Beach for the winter. Yes. And, um, well, I've actually relocated. Wait, because Napa wasn't warm enough for you? Well, it's just, well, there's two problems with California. I'm like in here, Denver, like anticipating a snowstorm. Yeah, no, it's, 
the winters in Napa are are quite wet and can be cold. Oh, it has okay. four distinct seasons now. Oh, okay, the, yeah. Uh, spring, summer, and fall are about as magical as it gets, but the winter <laughs> right. is quite wet and cold. Yeah. And so I have moved to Miami. In Napa, I live in this really, really small town. This is mm-hmm. the thing I'm really working on, be more intentional about it. That I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, it's not, I'm not succeeding yet, Yeah. but I'm thinking about it and journaling about <laughs> it. So I live in mid-beach in what's known as the Fianna District in Miami mm-hmm. Beach, which is about just a hotbed of nightclubs and ho- luxury hotels. And, yeah. and I have been out almost every night. See, in Napa, I live in this really small town, so I go to dinner yeah. around 6 o'clock. And yeah. by 8.30, I was watching a movie, and by oh, 9.30 yeah. or 10, I was asleep. Right. Right? And then I get up at like 5.36 the next morning, rested. Right. Well... You know, everybody in the world is in Miami Beach for the summer. I mean, for the right, winter, right? Right, right. And so I've been going out quite often. Having lots of fun. Like almost every night, <laughs> even when it was completely <laughs> unnecessary. Todd, I had a kid at 22. So I think you have gone out probably in the last few months more than I ever have. <laughs> right. So I have been out every night. And it has been my intention looking forward to put a little throttle on that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so that's what I'm going to be more intentional yeah. about, trying to get a little bit more sleep. Yeah. Sleep is my biohacking strong suit. I like, I'm yeah. like in bed at nine, wake up at five. I'm like getting all the sleep. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. Sleep of course, is being so in the important. wine business, you know, partying is an occupational hazard. Sure. Yeah. You got to do it. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, where anyway, are you from an, uh, originally? Because I was going to guess North Carolina because I'm from Tennessee. Yeah. And I'm like, nice. I know. I know you hearken from I'm not somewhere. from California. Yeah, so I moved to California like 20 years ago. Okay, yeah. From Atlanta. And before that, I lived in yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. I heard and, it. I knew yeah, it. <laughs> so now the whole thing is like, now I'm back to the East Coast. And, yeah. you know, I still have a home in California. But for residency reasons, I'm not going to be there a whole lot. Sure. I've actually moved my residency here. Yeah. Actually, it's... uh. Um, I've just got to stay. Out these, I've just got to stay out of these clubs. <laughs> You're doing pretty good at however old you said you were going to 61. clubs. Sixty-one. Yeah, week. there you go. Hey, but, well, happy birthday! Happy early birthday! Thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really, really appreciate it. It's a great time. Thanks for having me, and I'll um, look forward to seeing you again. Thanks. Wow. That was such a fascinating conversation. I learned so much from Todd about what I need to be looking for in a wine. And honestly, I talked to Chaz after I recorded this interview and was like, we can only drink dry farm wines from now on. You just can't beat it. And it's so worth the money to be drinking something that is healthier for us, sugar-free, lower alcohol, additive-free. No wonder people aren't hungover and don't have headaches the next day after drinking dry farm wines. I honestly feel like the wine industry is like the wild, wild west, like the food industry used to be back in the day where there weren't labels. You didn't know what you were eating, you know, and they were just selling snake oil. (laughs) 
I feel like the wine industry is like that. And so I just really appreciate what Todd is doing with Dry Farm Wines, trying to get healthier wines into our households, and also trying to raise the bar of the wine industry. So if you're like me and you're committed to drinking Dry Farm Wines, go ahead and check out the show notes. And I have my affiliate link there. You can try Dry Farm Wines and get a discount using that link. Thank you so much, Todd, for joining us. And I will see you guys next week. 